Hello, and welcome to another edition of Dirt Road Divinity, the scenic route of the soul. I'm your host, Lisa Wade, and today's conversation is with Stephanie McAuliffe. Stephanie has shown through her own life that trauma can be overcome. She calls herself an illuminator, someone who helps light the path for others to come back to themselves after their own trauma. She is strong. She's experienced many sides of the spiritual journey, and she's courageous enough to share it all with you here. Please enjoy this episode of Dirt Road Divinity with Stephanie McCall. Hello, friends. This is Lisa Wade with Dirt Road Divinity, the scenic route of the soul. And I am so excited today to have with me as our guest, Stephanie McAuliffe, amazing woman and all around general, I'm just going to say spiritual badass, because as I read your background and learn more about you, you've been through it. Yes. And you've come out the other side shining and you help other people learn how to do that too. I do. And thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation today, because it's when we can share our journey and share our stories, we open a door for other people to take a step for themselves. I completely believe that and agree with that. And uh, as I was looking at at your bio, I love the fact that the word illuminator, to apply that to you, I think that that is just beautiful. But, you know, everything from illuminator to master healer to, uh, you know, author, to I added way shower of spiritual grit just because it Ooh. seemed appropriate. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. But that is that is part of being an illuminator. It's I'm shining a light yeah. on not only my own path to inspire and lead others, but it's also with the work I do with clients is I can see what they haven't been able to. Mm. And so it's no longer this, I'm going to sit back and let you figure it out for yourself kind of thing, which is good to a point. However, I think for us, if we can see something and help point something out and show the way for the people we're working with, I think it's a disservice to sit and watch them struggle. Ah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems that you are embodying the very notion that Ram Das talked about in terms of we're all just walking each other home and that you're helping to illuminate the path to where maybe the path doesn't have to be quite so scary or quite so lonely to walk home. And and home being, you know, wherever we, first home has to be back to ourselves, you know, walking back to our true selves. And, and that sounds like a a journey or an adventure for you that has been life shaping and in a lot of ways, courage and strength inducing and um, perhaps has even offered to the extent that there can be gifts anywhere we choose to look, <laughs> you know, has offered yeah. um, a, a greater clarity and ability to go deep and courage to go deep that that helps others. Would you be willing to, to share, you know, the, the little bit that we've mm-hmm. talked about, it, it, it hasn't been some straight, easy path. It's been <laughs> windy and curvy and, you know, <laughs> the essence of back roads, you know, and absolutely 
it seems that if I don't mean to put words in your mouth, mm-hmm. so just know that, but it seems that from our conversations, you stand pretty damn strong in your spirituality. And I do now. Now. Right. And, and that's the kicker. It, it hasn't yeah. always been that way. Oh, no, not at all. And I was raised in the Episcopal Church, high Protestant. So, you know, a, a hair away from Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I grew up with, you know, the Bible. And, you know, we weren't strictly religious, but we were in the, you know, thou shalt obey. <laughs> yep. And you know, believed that there was this guy with gray hair and a beard sitting up on a cloud watching over and truly believed in good and bad and right and wrong and good and evil and the devil. And you followed the rules. Or you burned for eternity. Well, exactly. And, you know, and I remember having to read, I forget what grade it was, might have been eighth grade Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the levels of hell that you would go down into yeah. and wanting to be seen and thinking that to do that was meant being, you know, the good girl. I like I said, I followed the rules, but the rules didn't support me mm. because, you know, there were other rules within society that we didn't talk about the things that were happening to us. And so this was the 60s and 70s. It was just, I hate saying it's the way things were, but it's the way things were. And so having experienced sexual abuse and not being able to talk about it, all that energy goes within. And when I realized, I think it was eighth grade health class. Again, eighth grade was very very formative for me in good and bad ways. I realized what had actually happened to me Mm. and the amount of shame that I internalized and took on that not what happened to me was bad, but that I was bad. And it's been an unwinding of that shame and actually even recognizing that that's what it was. That has been a big, big part of this journey. Wow. And I can only imagine that growing up in the church, having that experience, was there a part of you that, that was kind of like, and God, where were you? Did you, did you, why didn't you have my back through all this? Yeah. And that, that happened a few years later because I was confirmed in eighth grade and had my freshman year of, of high school. And it was then that, you know, there was a lot more drinking that happened in the house. My mm-hmm. grandmother moved in with us. And, you know, I would hear conversations about uh, both she and my mother had a bunch of dental work done and they had painkillers. And my grandmother making a comment about how good she felt when she took one of them. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because if I can take one of these and feel good rather than feeling alone and isolated and shameful Mm -hmm. and like I just wanted to bury myself in a hole in the ground, that was when I I found drugs. 
but it was really, and then we moved away to Florida for a couple of years and I was away from my stepbrother and away from that abuse. And I started to find myself, but then we moved back to Massachusetts and I was going to be under the same house, you know, in the same household under the same roof again with my stepbrother. Mm. And I rebelled and, and it took more and more to numb myself and it was actually through drugs and alcohol that I felt something and I could laugh and I could play and didn't have to think about the things I didn't want to think about. It, it took me outside of myself. And so there's no surprise to me as why there's such a prevalence of drug and alcohol abuse and shopping and TV and sex and, and all these other things we use to numb ourselves. But when I really stepped away from God and any kind of spirituality, I remember I rebelled. My mother wanted to ground me and I, I went to school. I came home. There was no going out. There was nothing. And I was just like, F this. <laughs> and I ran away. Oh, wow. And spent the night at a friend's house and went back the next day. And I remember sitting at the dining room table. And my mother was sitting to my left, and I announced that I was an atheist. Boom. And I no longer believed in God. And that was like the only thing I had left in me to get her attention. Mm. And it was because I had nothing left inside of me. And so when you talked earlier about really it's spirituality is us, spirituality is our heart. Mm. This is the trust within ourselves. And I had none of that. So not trust for others, not trust for yourself, not trust in this notion of the divine, just like all layers of trust were gone. I was empty. Yeah. So what was it that helped turn it around? (sighs) Ah, my second marriage Mm -hmm. Um, I married two alcoholics. I married people who were in the same mental and emotional space as I was. And and you know what? I had a great career. I was on Wall Street for 27 years. I was a senior director, and I completed an $85 million program when I took a package. From the outside, everything looked great. Mm -hmm. And my second marriage to him, I mean, this was the man I was going to – grow old with the love of my life. And he spiraled into his own demons about five years into our marriage. And he was one of my greatest gifts because I remember one day, right? I used to take a boat into lower Manhattan and sitting on the boat and just this, this message came through and just, I can't do this anymore. I was doing more for him than he was for himself. I was doing more for him than I was for myself. And this is what happens to those of us who grow up with this shame. It's, it's, we look to everything outside of ourselves because that's how we prove ourselves. And it was then that I just, I finally initiated the divorce. And a few months after it was finished or complete, we were divorced. I started working with a coach online through just an eight-week program, 
And I remember on the first call, one of the questions that was asked was, how do you feel? Ah, uh, I couldn't answer the question. Yeah. And like, I, it's something just stirred within me of, okay, I've done these things for myself in my life that from the outside look good, but I still wasn't connected to myself. And it was just like this earthquake tremor volcano within me. And it's been a journey since then. And it's really the underlying theme of it has been coming back to trusting myself. This conversation so far, (laughs) well, just because I see um, so much reflected, you know, it's conversations like this where we can see the mirror of the parts of ourselves that are are similar. And one of the reasons I'm I'm so grateful that you are willing to share about your experience, because in that, when other people can see a part of their own story in someone else and see a happy ending, you know, not or a happy next chapter, a happy mm-hmm. continuation. Yeah. Um, that gives an awful lot of hope, an awful lot of hope. And, but it sounds like there was, although there was an inability to feel, you know, to sit, or at least an ability to sit with that question and go, oh, shit, (laughs) I don't know the answer, you know, but to sit with it. But even before that, it sounds like there was some connection to an intuitive nudge that uh, I can't do this anymore. There has always been. I have been guided. And it's fascinating, too, because in eighth grade, I was fascinated with witchcraft and magic and energy. And I could sit and do exercises and, like, look at the radiator cover and watch it melt. I could see the energy in it. And so there has always been this deep intestinal fortitude within me that I always knew that there was something better. Hmm. Always. And even when I and I felt like I had lost all hope and all faith and all trust, there was still something that was there. And I think this is what we're born with. I mean, we are. And this is part of what I do with clients is who were you before you took on all these layers? So I've done a meditation where I took myself back to my 18-month-old self walking around my backyard, and I could see the individual blades of grass, and I could also see how they were connected. That's powerful. And that's part of what I do now. It's like I can still see, and even through my career on Wall Street, managing programs, I could see our pieces, but then how it fit with the other pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's seeing the forest and the trees. And so it's coming back to we are all born divine beings. And we forget this joy of who we really are, like I said, underneath all of these layers. And it's coming back to that. And it is a journey and it isn't all easy. And. But this is where it's having the faith within ourselves to walk through that open door when it's open for us. To to explore the question of who am I? 
which was which was easier or, or or were they the same or which was more difficult i don't know learning to to trust in that faith or learning to trust in yourself they're one and the same hmm. tell me about that because i am i am god i am spirit we all are and we can only trust others as much as we trust ourselves mm-hmm and so as I've stepped into this deeper trust within myself, my trust in something bigger than me has grown as well. Mm. I think, though, the trust within myself has sparked my trust in the divine and then realizing, too, that I am the divine. We all are. Mm-hmm. And I remember a few years ago saying to... um someone I was working with, a coach that I worked with because none of us does this alone. And saying to her, I believe in the good of everybody. And she kind of looked at me and it's like, no, we're all born with this divinity within us. It's do we choose to put a hard shell around ourselves and block out the world and push and control and try to rule as we see a lot now or do we say okay these things happened in my life they're not necessarily good or bad and it doesn't mean that we agree with it there's a lot of things that have happened that I don't agree with and yet it's coming to this place of acceptance because I can't change it. Right. I can't change that, you know, these things happened. Right. But it's making the choice to no longer be in victim mode of what was me. Yeah. Takes its power away. It really does. And I don't think we realize how much of our power we give away when we just say, well, you know, life sucks and then we die. What kind of a life do you want to live? And this is where we have the choice to work through the old crap and release it to step into something new. So I know in, in the spiritual world, there's a lot of conversation about light and love and, you know, only love exists and let's not pay attention to anything that's not love because only love exists. And then there are those of us that say, ooh, that feels an awful lot like spiritual bypassing, <laughs> and you can't really get over here if you're not willing to look at the crap to be able mm-hmm. to work through it. Because part of, you know, that our entrance into this earth school is often carrying some kind of trauma, whether it's generational, whether it's experiences we have, whether it's just the pure separation from source that happens when we're born or so we think anyway, mm-hmm. or so it feels anyway, but we all carry some kind of trauma. And it, it just seems to me that unless we have the courage to look at it and sometimes maybe even have to dive in and swim in it for a minute, you know, that that's the only way that we can get beyond it. In your work with clients, have you seen a, um, an apprehension or an unwillingness to actually turn around and go, ooh, that shit, I got to deal with that? Or do they come to you when they're ready? 
So I only work with the people who are ready. Mm -hmm. Um, A few years ago, I was working with a few clients who just did not want to look. And we, we, I, we just had a conversation and I just said, you know, unless you're willing to turn around, you know, and put down your phone during the session, (laughs) you know, I, 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 I can't help you. I can only help you as much as you, you want to do this. Uh, I think, you know, your comment about spiritual bypassing is, was part of the new age of light and love and there is no darkness. One of the things that I learned, I went to Bali on a pilgrimage is every house, every village, and then there are large, have their own temples and it sometimes it's just a statue and then there are larger ones. And every single morning, they make offerings to both the dark and the light. Wow. Because we can't all be at the top of the roller coaster all the time. Mm-hmm. Life just doesn't happen that way. And I think there's been a big disservice to say, don't look back. And a lot of that, I think, comes from my father's generation. Mm-hmm. Of, and, and it is generational. Of, you know what, there's not a lot we can do about it, so we're only going to look forward. And yet, if you look at Bruce Lipton's work, and this is part of what I work with as well, up until the age of seven or eight, you are a sponge. And the development of our brain waves is such that for many years, we're in a dreamlike state and our subconscious is wide open. And so we are absorbing everything in the world around us. And they've even shown there are other studies where they show that even children between the ages of the difference between the age of two and then two and a half at two, they're they're still going to take a toy that resonates with them at two and a half. I'm going to give you a toy that I know will make you happy. Hmm. And so when we see our parents fighting or we hear things or something bad happens, we take that on as if it's our fault and we did something wrong. And this explains so much of the shame and the guilt and the fear that so many are carrying right now. And so this is why the work that I do with clients is we also heal that energy. And some of it does come from the womb. If your mother was full of fear or depressed when she was pregnant with you, you're carrying that energy. Yeah. So part of the unwinding is of doing past life healing and going back to when we're little and connecting with that joy of who we were before all these layers just almost sometimes felt like they were going to bury us. Yeah. Suffocated under societal bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that there's, you know, epigenetics is the study of how our genes and our DNA shifts with the environment in which we're living. And Mm -hmm. so there's now science behind those of us who are healers already knew. Mm. And so at that point, when you talk about healing, it's not just a matter of energetic healing of the physical body. You're talking emotional, mental body, the entire the entire being, 
not just the part I can touch, you know, and primp, you know, but body, but, mind and spirit. Uh, yeah. That's really. Yeah. And, and it's, it's almost like if you think of a shell, it's like the spiral on a shell. Mm-hmm. It, it continues to evolve. I went to a drum circle last night and released something. There's yeah. always layers and it's okay, but this is part of, Oh, that's interesting. What's going on here? It's looking at things without judgment. And I don't think there's very much that a client could say to me that would surprise me because mm-hmm. I've done most of it and I've lived through most of it. Yes. So it's when we can, as you said, um, Ram Dass said, we're all walking each other home. Mm-hmm. It, it's when we can sit and listen and create, not even hold space, but create space for someone. Mm. It, it's just a, a beautiful, it's a gift when we can do this with each other. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. So when did you start feeling again and how did that come about? That first call. Mm. And that was six years ago. What a gift. I mean, that in and of Truly. itself right there. Huge. Truly. And and it's been working with different people mm-hmm. because different people open different things up for us. Um, and it, it's it's interesting because there have been times where I've just taken leaps of faith where it was cognitively. Did it make sense? Not necessarily. I remember when I got my first deck of Oracle cards. <laughs> and that was something that also opened up the trust within me because it was a confirmation of what I was already thinking and feeling. But that was a weekend where I traveled north of Toronto for a three-day workshop with someone I barely knew. And that was the weekend I gave myself permission to leave Wall Street. And I knew I was going to write my first book. And it was, I don't know where this is leading, And I'm stepping into it anyway. Because, again, it goes back to that intestinal fortitude of there is something greater, larger at work here. And I don't know what it is. And that's okay. And this is what some people call living in the the void. I like to call it living in the open question. Mm. I like that much better. (laughs) Because the void can feel like this big open vastness where you're just floating in space. Whereas the question is, I get to play with the energy of where is this leading? I get to be curious. I love the thought of of allowing curiosity to be our guide Mm. and especially curiosity around what brings joy. You know, what what lights me up, what lights you up from the inside and to get curious about that. And to follow those breadcrumbs in that trail seems like it's hard to regret a life that where joy and that light from inside is what is is illuminating the way. But so often it takes working with someone else to even acknowledge it, you know, to had someone the other day ask, how do do I find joy? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and the work that I do with clients is often what makes your soul sing? 
you're like, I have no freaking idea. I've never even thought about that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but if we could find that, you know, that is an exciting thing to to kind of move toward. I don't know that strive toward. That doesn't feel like the right word, but but that can be an exciting thing to 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 explore, to to be yeah. on to experience. And I love move. And sometimes it's it's a single step. Mm, yeah. You know, we can think of change, and and I I did an eight week series on change of just short videos and you know change can feel like this big daunting thing and sometimes it's just what can I do today to move me one step forward Mm -hmm. I have a magnet on my refrigerator and it's two two little girls who are just covered with multicolor markings you know markers Mm -hmm. permanent markers is what it looks like. And on the caption, it says, I regret nothing. Love it. Yep. So when we can come to this space of, you know, everything has happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And because when I'm in the space of regret, it may have me in a space of putting someone above or below me. And it still keeps me tied to the story. And, and listen, I know that really, really well, because I was incredibly attached to my stories of can't you see how hurt I am? And all that did was keep me stuck. It kept me very alone. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it can feel like you're living on an island by yourself. And I don't, part of the reason I do this is because I don't want anyone to ever feel as alone as I did for so many years. It's like you can be surrounded by all these people mm-hmm. and be connected. Yes. Yes. And the idea that there, I don't know of anyone who's living an experience that there's not someone else on the planet who can identify with that. Absolutely. And, and so often we feel like our experiences make us different or, 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 you know, create this, this, this chasm between us and others, but sometimes it might be the very thing that we have in common with somebody else if we're open to, to recognizing that. And, and in doing so feels a, a lot less lonely, you know, to walk that path. Yeah. And it's fascinating because our uniqueness is not honored. Mm. You know, there's so many, and this is where we go back to the rules of fitting in and conforming and you can only act a certain way to be accepted into the group. The same thing, and it follows us into work. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, yes, there are so many people who have, everyone on this planet has experienced trauma in one form or another. Yeah. And it's honoring the fact that, yes, we have, and yes, Every single person's path is unique to them because we're all unique. And yet we're all connected through our hearts. Mm. All connected through our hearts. Yeah. I love that. You're an author. I am. One book, working on your second. Working on my second. And um, to me, words also provide an opportunity to connect with other people, not just through their minds, but but hearts, too, that we mm-hmm. have opportunity to connect in that way through through the words we write 
What has your experience been like in terms of connection or putting words on paper that, you know, others are going to read? And has it been a growth process for you or has it just been, you know, for some, it's just here. Let me share what I know. And and for others of us, it's like, wow, we got to grow in the process. And, and then we have even more to share. What's your experience been like there? Huge growth. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there were times. So my first book was published three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So four years ago, I was stepping into the writing process. And I remember there were times where I was just I broke down in tears mm-hmm. because there were realizations that I had that I hadn't allowed myself or I shouldn't say I hadn't allowed myself. They just hadn't come up yet. And it was because of where I was in the writing process mm. that it it did give me the opportunity. The same is happening with the second book. The first draft is complete. And I, I write and I actually took I've taken the last month off. I did a complete read through and I was actually journaling on this this morning. I think writing is incredibly important because I, I needed some space to just be with where I am. Mm. Yeah. And now I'm getting ready to go back in to do rewrites. And when I work with clients, they take pen to paper because this is where we can do stream of consciousness writing. Mm-hmm. And just allow things to flow out onto the paper, so, and it and it it gets us it gets it out of our minds. It gets us out of monkey mind mode. And so writing is just even if you're not writing a book, and, and even before I started writing my first book, I have a file somewhere on my computer that's got about thirty seven thousand words in it because I needed to just like throw up all over the keyboard. <laughs> yes. There were just all these things that had to come out. And imagine if all that energy was still within me. It's amazing to me sometimes how just writing something down, it's like it it takes its charge away from it. Just like, oh, these are now just words on paper, and it doesn't feel so like such a big damn deal. (laughs) It doesn't feel so hurtful inside. So. Sounds like that's part of your experience. It's freedom. It really, it really has been. And now I'm writing from a very different space because, you know, we, I think it's Glennon Doyle who says you can write from the wound or you can write from the scar. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you don't want to be, it's getting the words out on paper can help take you from the wound to the scar. I love that. I love that. Getting the words out on paper can help take you from the wound to the scar. And to the I, I like that too. <laughs> I've never yeah. said it in that way before, but it, it's, you know, our words are powerful and, yeah. you know, words are energy. Absolutely. And it's like, how do we want to use them? Do we want to use them to build ourselves and others up? Which is really. You know, I look at my first book and, and where I was and where I am now. And I think I've lived 18 lifetimes between then and now. And hey, there, I hear you. <laughs> there's still been a lot of healing. I think we we can make the choice of we can continue to heal until we die. Or we can do the opposite of that. And kind of be like the zombie apocalypse. Die while we're still alive. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's like, are we living to die? Right. Or are we living to live? Mm, I love that. And I, and I choose the latter. It, it's, it really is of, yeah, and I have all this shit. Mm-hmm. Let's grab a shovel. And, and you know what? And a lot of it I did to myself. Mm-hmm. So I can either carry around the shame yeah. or I can say, all right. Will you be buried in it or will it help you bloom? You know, because well, exactly. one way or the other. Yeah. And we have, this is our free will. Yeah. This is how we can choose how we want to continue. Mm, but it is absolutely looking back in that cave mm-hmm. into our own darkness and releasing that energy. Yeah. And this is why energy healing is just so, so important. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, one more big question, and then I'm going to ask how people can contact you and reach, you know, work with you if they would like to. But we started out the conversation with, you know, you making a proclamation at the dinner table in front of your mom. Last way to get attention. I'm an atheist. It's pretty clear to me that you wouldn't necessarily say that anymore. So I'm curious from this place where you are right now, what do you believe? I believe we are all divine beings. Mm. I believe that we all have the inherent joy in which we were born with. I believe it doesn't matter what path you take. It's fascinating. I listened to an interview with Cat Stevens this morning, who is re-releasing Tea for the Tiller Man, Oof. who left, and that was also a big eighth grade thing, who left his singing career and found the Koran. It doesn't matter what you find. I believe in a whole mix of things. It's like this big pot of alchemy that there is something greater than us. And yet I also believe that we're all connected. We are all good. Even if we don't believe in how someone is acting, Mm -hmm. that's not us. That's not a reflection of us. I believe everyone is all worthy to heal. Mm. Mm. Kind of goes back to that namaste concept, right? The light in me acknowledges and honors the light in you. Yes. It seems that when we can walk through life in that way, especially in these incredibly divisive times, um, it helps us ride, kind of rise above the, the noise and, and the, j- just the, the chaos. Um, yeah. Like I remember. There's a phrase that I love that I actually picked up from Alan on because mm. I went to that for years was detachment with love. Mm. Yeah. I can still see you as an immortal soul, as a being who is worthy of love, even if I don't agree with what you're doing, because really it's none of my business. Yeah. So I can love you for exactly where you are. Mm hmm. And not in any way be attached to it. Yeah. You know, thinking about two, two of the alcoholics in my life, neither of which would have told, you know, called themselves that, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember coming to a place where judging that was hurtful to me, I found. And that I got to the place where every time I felt the urge to judge, I viewed it as an invitation to just love more. Yes. 
And there was so much freedom and healing for myself in that. I don't know that they ever felt it. But for me, there was so much freedom and healing that came from view it as an opportunity to love more. And, you know, love comes with boundaries, too, you know. And but just that little shift in thinking um, was powerful. So thank you for sharing that detachment with love. That's, yeah. that's thank you. Yeah, it's it's. They don't have to agree with us. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah. on all on their own journey. Absolutely. And again, free will. And that's what makes Earth Earth School such a powerful, powerful, frustrating, but amazing place. Uh, so if people wanted to connect with you, maybe learn how to have an illuminator and a way shower of spiritual grit on their own journey of healing, especially through, you know, getting beyond trauma. How do they find you? The best way is my website, stephaniebmcauliffe.com. Okay. Um, from there, there's more about the healing work that I do, my first book. Folks can send me a note. Um, from there, I also have a complimentary Explore the Possibilities call mm, for folks who are ready to step into this. Mm-hmm. I work with a few one-on-one clients at a time. And this is where we get to architect our reality. Architect our reality in the light with an illuminator (laughs) holding the light for us. I love that. I love that. StephanieBMcAuliffe.com. So I'll put that information in the, in the show notes. And I am so grateful that you came on and that we had the opportunity to have this conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave viewers, listeners with before, before we go? What just came was love yourself. Mm. Yes. It love really yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Love yourself enough to take a step, whatever that step is. Mm. And thank you so much for this opportunity today. This has been amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. You are incredibly kind and I am incredibly grateful. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dirt Road Divinity with Lisa Wade and Stephanie McAuliffe. You can find the video versions of these episodes over on YouTube at Lisa Wade Alchemy. And you can also connect with me online at lisawade.mykajabi.com.